It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello and welcome to Out of the Dark Storytelling. This is both a podcast and a live YouTube show. So, podcast listeners, please welcome to your ears, your host, Jill Welsh. Oh, hi, everyone. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, Welcome to Out of the Dark Storytelling. Um, We have an amazing show for you tonight. It's a a bunch of uh, embarrassing stories, you know, like straight out of a YM say anything column. Have I dated myself there? Do we know what YM is? It doesn't exist anymore, but uh, yeah. Uh, Connor Lowe, are you here, buddy? Heard your voice. Ha Here I am. Hey, Connor. How's it going? Good. How are you? Okay, I'm, I'm good, man. Super excited. Uh, super excited to hear about some embarrassing things. Um, yeah, how are I'm you? embarrassed all the time. So I don't yeah. know how I'll feel about this. I don't know if <laughs> this will feel like uh, like a relief or if uh, you know I'll be too empathetic and just yeah. feel more embarrassed than I already am. I right? mean, like, it's going you- to just like explode <laughs> if that's the case. <laughs> will you take it on or will you feel uh, found? Uh, how, how is your? I'm I'm pimping you. How how is your week, Connor? What uh, what happened this week? Well, oh, here I am. I'm oh, already blushing. I know. Uh, if you're listening in the, uh, <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast version of this show, my face is the same color as a fire truck right now because yeah. I got engaged this weekend. Oh, air horn, air horn, fur, fur, fur. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, how? How? I'm dying to know how. Like, like who asked who? Like. Uh, uh, how did it go down? Did you have a plan? Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, like we, we spoke about it, uh, like months and months ago of like, we should, uh, we should get engaged. Oh, I'd, I'd really like to be engaged to you and eventually married. Um, and then, uh, we, we went to a jeweler because, uh, my partner Liz, uh, had some diamonds, uh, some family diamonds that she wanted to just put into a around. ring. Uh, <laughs> oh, nice. That and then <laughs> yeah, uh, and then I uh, purchased some other diamonds, and you know we had the ring made, and we let we met a lovely man named Varouge, who is an oh. artist, uh, and he made our ring, and he said two weeks. Uh, almost three months ago. And then after waiting for so long, we finally got the ring and we're like, okay, we're going to go to the cottage or maybe we're going to go, you know, like uh, for a weekend on a nice, like uh, getaway. And we got the ring and we're like, let's do it now. Let's do it like Aww. now. So the next day we walked our dog and I got down on one knee, said her full name and asked her to marry me. Oh my heart. That's so beautiful. Also very funny to have so many diamonds just like kicking around. <laughs> but, uh, oh, it's so beautiful. And I love there's like different generations in the, in the rings there. 
Aww. Yeah. You cuties. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, man. Wedding. So I feel like, I feel like once this is all over, we're all going to be going to so many weddings, which, uh, actually, uh, makes me think of a very, uh, a very embarrassing story of my own <laughs> about a wedding. Uh, oh my way God, back, Jill. uh, oh, oh, like way back married? when I, <laughs> no, <laughs> almost. <laughs> no, no. Um, I, uh, way back when I used to, uh, date men before this pair of scissors came out of the craft closet, as it were, uh, I, I was always a big weirdo and I always tried super hard to fit in. Like I just, I so desperately wanted to fit in. And so I was dating this like very religious, very, very, uh, Christian guy. And I was supposed to go home and meet his family for this like big family wedding. So, and he was already there. So I had to like ride up with a family member. So I actually ended up riding up there with like a pastor. Um, I think it was a pastor or father, father, pastor, didn't have kids, father, pastor, who knows? Uh, (laughs) Sorry. I have a quick question. You said ride up. Was it like on a tractor or did you (laughs) go in a, go in a car? No, it was it was a car. It was not like a horse or a buggy. It was not okay. a Mormon type situation. How how yeah, I'm just yeah. also trying to gauge like how religious. Is this horse yeah, and buggy that's religious? True. Or? That's true. Not horse and buggy religious, but you know, close. Uh and at one point he like looked at me like in the little rear view mirror and was like, You're a little dark to be Italian and I uh <laughs> I don't think I told him I was Italian. So I was like already like and I got there and they were all like this was like like they were like beautiful like dutch aryan race of people just like blonde 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 (laughs) ah one of these things is not like the other one of these things just isn't the same uh but i i really tried to like you know uh put a good foot forward and and make sure people uh, like me and i learned a lot like um did you know that the book of job is the book of job and it's not about jobs did, did you know they don't they don't talk about jobs in there? <laughs> I did go to Catholic school. Okay, so. yeah, yeah. Well, I did. But I didn't really pay attention. And uh, <laughs> his mom was super sweet. He, uh, she like, she like took like I don't know. She wanted to help me out or something, so she gave me this like bowl of melon balls that I could like hand out. And I thought, you know, I'll win them over with my quirky charm. I like to make up little songs. You know, I'm an improviser, so I'll just like sing something as I pass them out. And what came out of my mouth unplanned was. Melon, melanoma. So, um, <laughs> it was not good. It's all downhill from there. And then, so the next morning, I wake up and I'm like, "That's it. I gotta get this. I gotta, I gotta fix this." So I go for a run, and it's like country blocks. So I get like I can't run that far. It's like a full country block. So I try to cut back through a uh, cornfield, and I get lost in the cornfield. Find my way out of the cornfield. I'm covered in burrs and everything. So I like shed all my burrs and the, the pieces of corn. And I like do it over by this shed because their lawn was so manicured. And I'm like, I got to have a shower because I smell. So I hop in the shower. The thing about me that is like super embarrassing is I lose an abnormal amount of hair in the shower. Like I basically am like a 40-year-old balding man. Uh, and... But I didn't want it to like go down the drain because they would tell, be able to tell how much hair I lose, right? Because it would be like blonde hair, blonde hair, blonde hair, Jill's very dark, abnormal amount of hair. <laughs> so I collected it all in the shower, very like, like all of it and rolled it up in this like little ball. And I got out of the shower and someone like knocked on the door because they needed to get in the bathroom. And I'm like, Just a second. And then I looked around and there was no garbage. 
So I was like, okay, well, I'm a problem solver. So I was like, well, I'm just flush it down the toilet. And then I remember when I was in the middle of the country, it's like a septic system. So if it backs up or like something happens, they're going to think I had a big bowel movement and I don't need that to happen to be the one who broke the one toilet. Uh, so then I like open up this little window and his mom is like right below the window reading a book now. So I can't just send this like ball of hair and I can't put it down the sink because the same gook snake thing. And I'm like, jiggle, jiggle, jiggle at the door. And I'm like, I'm taking too long and I'm freaking out and I'm naked. So I did the only rational thing and I just swallowed it. Yeah, I swallowed my own hair. Um, I saw myself in the mirror and, and that's probably when I made the decision that it was time to stop dating men. That's probably, <laughs> that's probably <laughs> how that came to be. <laughs> Uh, oh my yeah. gosh i think i already have the answer to my question whether i'll feel relieved or uh, just even more uh nervous and embarrassed and i yeah. think it's more nervous and embarrassed all right well let's go with that we should probably, we should probably start the show let's roll on nervous and embarrassed uh yeah i'm gonna bring out uh, our first storyteller connor i'm so excited you're engaged it's just i'm just so excited congratulations man weddings thank you <laughs> hopefully no one swallows any hair of yours <laughs> i don't know maybe i'll be there <laughs> please invite me no i'm just kidding all right segue 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 uh our first storyteller tonight i am so excited to introduce you to them Emily is a writer, comedian, storyteller. She also produced, they also produce a monthly show. Wow, I can't speak. They also produce a, produce a monthly show called Replay Storytelling. Um, aside from that, they usually spend time with their children, Winston the Bulldog and Murphy the Tabby Cat. They miss live venues, but most importantly, they miss hugs. So please give a huge virtual hug to your first storyteller, Emily Poulin. Thank you. Uh, that was such a nice, uh, warm little intro. Um, so in 2018, um, that was the first year that I started dating women exclusively. Um, I didn't swallow my hair to find that out. I just, it just happened. Um, so it was also coincidentally the year that, um, I learned the most. I mean, there are like women are deep, you know, like women, you, there's just so many levels. Okay. There's so many, um, well, yeah, there's so many levels, um, about like relationships with women. It's just so easy because like they communicate and it's just a wild concept. Anyways, it was a whirlwind. I mean, like, I don't know how how everyone doesn't just fall for a woman. You know, I mean, they're amazing. Queers in general are just amazing. But women, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, right? Like, they were, I guess, my new drug, okay, in 2018. There's this one woman specifically, though. Her name was Stephanie. I called her Steph. <laughs> um, so she she stood out. We had We had two dates, and we were just about to go on the third. On the third date, you know what that means, right? Okay. Um, so I had to make sure this day was perfect. So I had to like mentally prepare myself. Um, I, I had to get in my date zone, which was pretty much just like a day of self-care. Um, I slept in. I chugged a lot of water. I flirted via text with the lovely stuff. And last but certainly not least, I had a standing sushi appointment with my best friend, Crystal, which was perfectly timed because I just needed to gush about how much 
I was just head over heels for this girl, Steph. So uh, we went to this sushi place and Chris and I went for sushi once a week. So it was nice. And we tried to uh, pick a new place this time. So we went to a new sushi place and um, lunch went on. Time kind of got away from me a little bit because I mostly spent the whole time talking about Steph and gushing and gushing. Um, but before I knew it, I was on my way downtown to pick up Steph and I just had these, um, these jitterbugs in my stomach. I had butterflies, I guess. Now, again, it was the third date. So you know what that means? I mean, uh, we went to snakes and lattes third date. You always go to snakes and lattes. We ended up, um, we ordered coffee. We played games, snacked on hummus and pita slices an indicator that the date was going really, really well is uh, we had this game called Guess Who. You know the game where you try and narrow down the other player's character by guessing the physical astro- attributes? So instead of guessing the physical attributes, I started asking things like, is your person an academic? Or <laughs> does your person have a cat? Have they gotten their flu shot? <laughs> you know, because you obviously know what those people look like, right? Anyways, the bit was a hit. I ended up looking as smooth as a criminal and I had the confidence of a charmer. So we grab our bills and we drive to her place again. Third date. You know where this is going. We went to Value Village. I'm just kidding. No, we actually went back to her place. Um, We, uh, you know, things started getting um, a little hot and heavy. Um, It escalated super quickly. I mean, She had me up against the wall. I had her up against the wall. It was just madness. I was so excited. And we hit the bed and things are about to happen. I get these butterflies in my stomach and butterflies that I haven't felt before. I was like, is this love? This is crazy. So we're about to, you know, have the most fun um, that we could have sex. Um, We were about to have sex. And these butterflies, I just keep feeling them and they're building up and they're building up. And I've opened my mouth as if I have to say something and I projectile vomit all over her bedroom. She had a garbage can right to the right. And I rolled over and I was projectile vomiting on that. And then I ran towards the bathroom, but I missed the first time. So there was vomit in the hallway. But I finally made it to the bathroom, but I did miss the toilet. I puked in the sink. I puked in the bathtub. And then I made it, made it to the toilet, finally. And I don't know if it's the vision of me just hanging over a toilet, sweating, puking my guts out. But I think she looked at me and she saw love. Um, but. I, on the other hand, was completely, I was, I was mortified. I, she said, is there anything I can do for you? And I looked up and I said, usually I'd ask you to leave, but this is your house. So I can't really do that. It turns out that I had food poisoning from that new sushi place I went to with my best friend because I texted her later and she said she was also puking her guts out. So Steph leans up against the door and she has a water bottle and a Nutri-Grain bar. And she says, well, I guess you should probably go home. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I should, I should clean up. 
as I'm gagging again. She's like, you know what? You should just leave. Here's the Nutrigrain bar. Keep your sugars up. Here's the water bottle. Stay hydrated. And I was like, in what world? I feel so taken care of. Like she literally did the bare minimum, but I feel so taken care of. So I'm driving home and I'm like, she handled that so gracefully. This is going to be one heck of a story to tell our children. I don't know when our, when our fourth date will be. I mean, she hasn't texted me back since that night. After I sent many apology texts and I offered to um, come clean her apartment or get her apartment cleaned if she didn't want me in it, but she didn't message me back. And I think it's a missed opportunity because I don't know. I think our kids would get a hoot out of that story because if, if true love isn't riding the porcelain express, I don't know what is. Thank you. I'll ever forget the line of true love isn't riding the porcelain express. Uh, what is? Oh, give it up in the chat for Emily Poulin. So funny, man. Oh, <laughs> the third day. You know where this is going. Oh, buddy. I, wow. That, honestly, that girl's total loss. <laughs> Just, oh. Uh, listen, if you want to follow uh, Emily on all social medias, uh, at Pem- Emily R. Poulin on all social medias that's your twitter that's your instagram oh find her on find him on facebook um and also please check out replay storytelling replay storytelling is another storytelling show if you love stories they are a great uh group of people and they also put on a really incredible show so please check them out uh, <laughs> uh our next storyteller uh uh, Shana Javid uh, works in higher education. She's actively working to strengthen her voice and advocacy against hate of any kind. Uh, she likes to write and has done some formal writing around student advising with the National Academic Advising Students Association, but wants to hone her creative writing skills. Uh, she's traveled to India, Spain, Dubai, London, England, and Saudi Arabia and the United States. Uh, she's also a mom of two boys and wanted me to say this as her fun fact, but like, if this was my fun fact, I would straight up leave this all the time. She did a TED talk, a TEDx talk in 2019. Like, do you see people for who they are? If, if it was me personally who had a TED talk, I would just be like, hi, what's your name? And be like, I have a TED talk. Uh, yeah, just absolutely incredible. I'm super excited for you to meet this incredible storyteller. Please welcome to your screen, Shana Javid. My family immigrated to Canada in the early 1980s. Our father had arrived a year before us to find employment and to prepare for our arrival. Our mother and the two of us arrived in January in the middle of winter. I was 11 and my brother was 13 years old. What an exciting adventure to immigrate to Canada at that point, only known to us as the country next to the United States of America, referred to as Amrika in Urdu or Hindi, which are South Asian dialects. We were average folks. I was a skinny young girl with a long nose, two braids on each side, with a good mastery of the English language. 
My brother was the usual 13-year-old boy, and my mother was a typical South Asian woman with dark hair braided in one long braid in the back. We lived on the 17th floor of what was a posh, clean, adults-only building at Parliament and Wellesley in Cabbage Town, Toronto. What a spectacular view of the Toronto skyline with the CN Tower and very windy. Building hallways were quiet, well-lit and carpeted like a hotel with a decorated formal management office on the main floor and fast elevators in which no one talked to one another, let alone look at each other as we were journeying together to our respective floors. School had not started yet, so as newcomers, when the three of us were home, we would be fearful of anyone who knocked on the door. In those days, door-to-door salespeople were common. They would be selling encyclopedias, vacuum cleaners, cosmetics, household items such as cleaning products. Dad had told us we should ask, who is it, before opening the door. In this apartment, there was no peephole on the door. So one one time, someone knocked very hard on the door. My mother, in her quiet voice, was trying to sound powerful and said, Who is it? He said, Meow man. She looked at us, and we all wondered what a meow man did and how do we send him away? We did not have cats. Before we could respond, he knocked again. She mustered up the courage and said loudly, We don't have any meows. He persisted. I have mail for you. We thought about what to do, and she slowly opened the door a peek, and it was the mailman. Accents are hard to understand as newcomers. Fire alarms. The key operative word here is alarm. It's supposed to raise an alarm for a fire, right? Or so we thought. Our father had told us that if there was a fire alarm, we are not to use the elevator. And it also means we have to leave the building. One afternoon, we heard our first fire alarm. The pulsating loud bell can cause heart palpitations if you've never heard it before. The three of us gathered our most essential items. My mom grabbed her purse and our passports. I grabbed a big purse with everything that an 11-year-old might hold dear, put on our coats over home clothes, locked the door, and raced down 17 flights of stairs. We got downstairs to the lobby, heart beating ever so fast. We get to the lobby. There's no fire truck, no panic among anyone. Everyone's simply going about their business, and the alarm was no longer ringing. There was no fear, no fire. This was my first Canadian experience that fire alarms are to be ignored. Embarrassingly, we took the elevator back up quietly back to our apartment on the 17th floor. Since we were in an adult building and my brother and I were not adults, we had to move from there. And so we did within a very short time. We moved to an apartment on Ontario Street. The apartment was smaller and older. The hallways were no longer carpeted, and sometimes small pieces of candy, wrapper, or dust balls were here and there. The main door was not secure, and often the lock was broken. The side door was crooked, so it sometimes did not lock 
which I as a kid appreciated because our apartment was closer to that door, not realizing the semblance of security that I was compromising. Many immigrants lived in this building from many different parts of the world. In the late afternoon, early evening, the kids would come out to play with their balls and bicycles, and the women supervising them would walk together or sit together, sharing their latest discovery in the newcomer experience. People would talk from windows to passing neighbors and exchange pleasantries and stories of family in the home country. I would hear, Que se hai, Kya hal hai, and came cho in the many dialects of the Indian subcontinent. There were people from China, Russia, and some other countries that I could not identify at that time. A really warm community. Mom had started her job as a sales associate, although she was a college professor in India. Still, it was a good job, and she was excited to earn money. This means I became the latchkey kid, as it was referred to in those days. The kid who had a key to the house and would often come home alone after school. Since mom was now working, I had chores to do, and I was given household laundry as a chore to do. So approximately once a week, I would stuff two strong white plastic bags that mom got from her store and carried the clothes down to the basement of the building. Sometimes the handle ripped on the way, but somehow I managed this 11-year-old, 12-year-old carrying two big laundry bags to the laundry room. The building was big, and so was the laundry room. The room was messy with dryer lint here and there, or the garbage bin was overflowing with dryer sheets or discarded detergent boxes. It smelled pleasant of laundry detergent and dryer heat, and the sound of humming or sometimes clanking machines could be heard like a train from Mumbai. The machines broke a lot. Half of them did not work. I had no real understanding or a standard of comparison, so the room did not gross me out as much as it would now. Dirty, murky water would be left behind in the machines. If the machines broke down hallway, uh, halfway through the cycle, residents were forced to squeeze out their clothes by hand and decide if they wanted to hand wash them in the equally yucky sink or risk trying another machine. I had a secret reward for doing laundry. Finding small change. I used to often find dimes and nickels. Found money is so special, like a lottery. So whenever I had laundry to do, I would look for small change. There were no loonies or toonies in those days, so a dime or nickel is all I found, usually. Sometimes I would hit the jackpot by finding a quarter. A dime bought five small gumballs in a small plastic wrapper, and my favorite was purple grape. A nickel got me an unwrapped jawbreaker from the jawbreaker jar at the variety store, and a quarter got me a two by two centimeter square of unwrapped chocolate piece. I now dread to think how many hands have touched the jawbreakers or sneezed near the open chocolate pieces. When I found a coin, I was already deciding what I would do um, with it the next day after school. I was really good sometimes because I saved the money, too, for a bigger bar of chocolate, which was around 45 cents. This was my secret reward for handling the filth of the family in a filthy laundry room, a reward that no one in the family knew about. And I think they, do, they don't even know to this day. Thank you. 
so lovely. Please get up in the chat for Shana Javid. Uh, just, oh, your good self. And, and just the excitement of found money. I, uh, yeah, and those, I feel like I could taste those penny candies and uh, for sure have been in that laundry room. Uh, thank you so much. Also, just, just uh, if you want to follow uh, Shana, you can follow her at Shana T.O., which I'll kind of put up on your screen. And also, she has an incredible Huffington Post article, which just came out probably about last week. I, I hope it's okay to share this. It's just, it's amazing. Um, it's about celebrating Ramadan in the middle of a global pandemic. It is well worth your read. So go ahead and give that a little Google when we're done. Yeah, I dropped a phone. Uh, go ahead and give that a little Google. Not now. Watch the show. But uh, give it a Google later. Her words are just so beautiful. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Uh, oh, now it's a time for a word from our sponsor. And by sponsor, I mean Bad Dog TV, Bad Dog Comedy TV, which you are watching right now. Just so you know, Bad Dog is a not-for-profit organization, which means everything that you're seeing right now uh, is possible from generous donations. Bad Dog is this incredible place where uh, has been keeping us artists going in the middle of this pandemic. In fact, out of the dark storytelling is because I wrote Coco Galore, the artistic director, and was like, I think I need to do a show to pull myself out of this darkness. And thus, here we are. Uh, it's an incredible community that we are so grateful to have. So listen, if you've got like one, two, three thousand extra dollars, uh, feel free to ah, donate below. And actually... Even three bucks is great. Um, if you send anything over $3, you get a tax receipt. And if you're like me, love writing that stuff off. So uh, <laughs> put it on your uh, spreadsheet. Uh, yeah, and now we have uh, a wonderful little treat for you. Uh, Nick McKinley is back with a, another great song. But I feel like I was going to do like Nick's whole little bio here. But part of me wants to just be like, you know, those SNL hosts, you know, where they just kind of like, Turn and face the camera and just say the artist's name very seriously after you come back from commercial break. So, folks, Nicholas McKinley. Hello, uh, Nicholas McKinley here uh, again uh, from my dad's record room. Um, uh, playing some songs for you. Maybe you were uh, tuned in last week and saw a song. Uh, this is another song. It's called uh, Learn to Love the Morning. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. searching for another place to run we were 24 we're not old we're not young sleeping on the floor hurting everyone Maybe if we learn to love the morning, we could love the sun. I keep moving on. It's not the time to turn around. Life 
I know it all went wrong. You said it's strong. You said it's hell. Another walk at dawn, tracing letters in the ground. Maybe if I learn of love in the morning, I could learn of this town. Maybe if I learn of love in the morning, I could learn of love this town. While sun relieves the moon, bluebird sings a tune. I can't remember the last time that I felt this new land. Sun relieves the moon, bluebird sings a tune. I can't remember the last time that I felt this new Our time will go on by faster every year. The pain will surely die, refuse to cry another tear. And we tell ourselves this lie out of love and out of fear. Maybe if we learn to love the morning, we can learn to love it here. Maybe if we learn to love the morning, we can learn to love it here. Maybe if we learn to love the Thank you. Oh yeah, thank you so much, Nick. Ah, his uh, his words are so beautiful. Um, in case you're not familiar, Nick is the drummer of a band called uh, the Fast Romantics. They're um, absolutely amazing Canadian band. Uh, you for sure heard them on the old radio uh, plenty. Uh, but they do have a new album coming out called Pick It Up, and they'll be doing a worldwide album release at the Dakota Tavern on August twentieth. So. But if you want to check out more of Nick's uh, like personal singer-songwriter music, please check him out on Bandcamp. There's uh, also Max, which is a band that he's in with Tokyo Police Club's Dave Monks, which has some pretty great vibes to it, too. Uh, yeah. Ah, live music. I can't wait until we uh, get, to, get to go hang out and concert venues again. Uh, yeah, our next storyteller. Uh, Crystal Bartelsey is an actor, storyteller, writer, creator, teacher. She's also the co-producer and co-host of another Toronto storytelling show, but that's another story. Uh, the next one will be on June 6th. Uh, it's the first Sunday of every month virtually. 
she has told stories on replay storytelling, the 99 second story show, dare storytelling, true stories told live, the anecdote, and so many more. Uh, recently, she was awarded the 99 second story Grand Slam winner, which is like, you know, the Denny's uh, Grand Slam breakfast of trophies. That is actually very incredible to tell uh, a story in 99 seconds and then not only like win a freaking Grand Slam. Uh, she has also created and written six award-winning solo shows. Uh, Chaotica, One Moon, Significant Me, All Kid, Inga Side, The Surprise, and Encore. And she's toured them all across Canada, the U.S., and the U.K. Uh, she teaches numerous workshops in improv, physical comedy, solo creation all around the city, uh, Humber College, Toronto Film School, and George Brown College. But my favorite thing, uh, she's a huge fan of Prince, and she still cries when she hears purple rain. Please give it up for Crystal Bard. I'm 20 years old and I've just graduated theater school. And along with my best friend, Christina, who I meet in the program, the two of us immediately form our own sketch comedy duo called The Burnt Marshmallows. Now, there was a strong reason why we called ourselves the Burnt Marshmallows. See, Christina and I both attended a triple threat theater school. And the mandate of the, the program, the school, to get in was that you had to be strong in one discipline, uh, acting, singing, or dancing. And Christina and I were both skilled in dancing and acting, but unfortunately, we weren't blessed in the singing or the musical theater department. However, the rest of our 12 classmates were not so strong in dancing or acting. They all just happened to be exceptional singers. So it was the fact that they were all amazing singers, not so good in the other departments, but Christina and I were good in two disciplines, not good singers. We were still regarded as the low status of our class and of the program. Each week we had to attend a class called MTP, Musical Theater Production, which is a nightmare for any non-singer. Uh, each week you had to bring in your song sheet, hand it off to the pianist, and stand in front of the class and deliver a song from a musical while the rest of your classmates and your teacher critiqued you. I felt so small week after week as all of my classmates belted out amazing versions from songs from Les Mis and Rent, and I worked week after week trying to get through a piddly version, off-key version of Moon River. Christina was having her own struggles with the class, and one week we couldn't take it anymore, and we agreed to do a duet. We both wore our denim jackets into class. I gave the song sheets over to the pianist. He gave me a confused look. I gave him a nod and one of these, let's just do it. And Christina and I just belted out Bon Jovi's Living on a Prayer. The rest of our classmates were clapping and howling, and our teacher was not impressed. She kicked us out of that class so fast that we had a stern talking to about how we weren't taking the class or the program seriously. By the time we got to fifth term, which was one term before graduating, the end project for that term was a musical. And the artistic director actually had a sit-down conversation with Christina and I about how they didn't want us to participate in the musical because they didn't feel it would be fair to the other classmates. Now, Christina and I were at first full of rage and embarrassment that nobody wanted us in the musical, but then they offered us our own two-woman show. So immediately we're like, yeah, okay, that's amazing. Of course, that's what we want. 
And then a week later, our dreams were crushed when the school realized they didn't have a budget for the musical and for our own two-woman show. So that got taken away from us. So Christina and I just sat on the sidelines while the rest of the class rehearsed the musical, and we were offered the odd extra acting tutorial. So feeling rejected and dejected once again, we came up with the name The Burnt Marshmallows, and we agreed that as soon as we graduated, we would form our own sketch comedy duo, and we did our show, and one of our former faculty members, one of our improv teachers, directed us. Uh, soon after, we continued doing shows, and uh, we were a laugh to other comedians because uh, one of our signature things was that Christina and I actually would do our gigs in burnt marshmallow wigs. We would make uh, a new wig every few months. We would make this wig on like a styrofoam uh, wig head and we would cover it in saran wrap and foil. And then we would, you know, glue all these marshmallows on and then burn them with a blowtorch. And this was really fun, except for our summer gigs uh, when we would, you know, be traveling to the Rivoli on a hot 30 degree day in July on the streetcar, showing up with just mushy, drooping marshmallows. And the other thing that everyone laughed at us for was, you know, often we were doing shows amongst improvisers or comedians who use no props. And Christina and I always turned up with like three to four garbage bags each filled with wigs and costumes and props. Now, one year we got a full show at the Toronto Fringe. So we're doing a full 60 minute show and we secured a really well-known theater director in Toronto. And about three weeks before opening, our director, Mike, suggested that we go up north to his cabin to have a little getaway. This would be like a little escape from the city, a retreat, a chance for us to finish up any writing and to rehearse our show. And Christina was really against going. She just wanted to have a chill weekend in the city, hang out with her family but I just kept pressuring her and pressuring her until finally she agreed to go. So the three of us, we pack into uh, Mike's van and we travel up north. We arrive late on a Friday night and we have a bonfire. We roast some marshmallows and then we go to bed. And the next morning we wake up at the crack of dawn. And rather than jumping right into some writing or rehearsing, I thought it would be a great idea that Christina and I go out on a kayak adventure. And then Christina takes it one step further, and she thinks it would be even funnier if we dressed up as some of our characters from our show. So we get all dolled up in our two characters, Heather and Val. We're wearing these big mullet wigs and these big brimmed glasses, and we're wearing the uh, northern t-shirts with the wolf on it, plaid shirts over top. Uh, we have a clown nose around our neck, and we're wearing the shortest little tight Adidas shorts. And we're about to get into our tandem kayak when Mike comes running down the path and he reminds us to wear our life jacket. At first, I'm so annoyed, like the life jacket isn't going to go with the rest of the costume. It's going to ruin character. But in the last moment, we agree. So Christine and I get in the double kayak and we set off on the river and we're paddling and it's early, but we are howling of laughter. We're doing some improv banter and we're reciting lines for our show and we're giggling and we can't believe we're kayaking with these wigs and these glasses. And as we're paddling along, I should mention that I had been up north to this cabin once prior, about a year and a half previous to that, working on another show. And the thing I remember the most about the river is you got to a point where there was a, an island uh, or a rock. And when you got to that point, you had to veer to the right, uh, because if you went to the left, there was a whole bunch of rapids, like a waterfall that was there. So Christine and I are having a great time. We're paddling along. 
And then it dawns on me that the last time I had been up north to this cabin, it was a different time of the year and the water was low and that's why I saw the rock or the island. And now as we're paddling and I'm wondering where this rock is, I realize it's a completely different time of year. And the reason why I'm not seeing the rock is because the rock is underneath the water. And Christina knows none of this, but all of a sudden I just start panicking because our kayak is being veered to the left. And I just start telling Christina to paddle backwards and she doesn't know and she's panicking. And we're trying so hard to paddle backward, but it's too late. The water is too strong. And I panic and I abandon Chip. We both jump out of the kayak and the kayak goes ahead of us and it goes down the rapids. And Christina and I are being weighed down by our mullet wigs and we try to swim to shore, but it's too late. I know I'm about to go down this waterfall and Christina is quite behind me, a quite distance back and I turn to her and I look and we have this look that I will never forget. We lock eyes and I look at her. I look at her because she's my best friend. I look at her because we've already created so many memories and I look at her and I am beaming. I am so sorry out of my eyes because we are about to die and she never wanted to come in the first place. And then I go down and I get pulled down and I'm wearing a life vest, but I'm being pulled under water and I'm being slammed up against rocks. And it's probably just a few minutes, but it feels like forever until all of a sudden, oh, I just meet with a giant boulder and I hold on for dear life and I feel banged up and I'm bleeding and I'm panicking and then I realize I have lost my shorts. They came off in all this turbulence and now I'm just with a wolf t-shirt and a pair of thong underwear and I'm looking around for Christina and I'm screaming and I'm panicking and I'm yelling her name and there's no sight of her and then I just see her shoe float by. And I panic even more and I start screaming and I'm hurt and I'm crying and I'm so panicked that I don't even realize that there's a man standing right there. You see, this man's cottage was just on the edge of the rapids and he saw the whole thing from the deck. So he managed to come across and save me and he's saving me in my t-shirt and my underwear, but I don't care. I'm just so relieved that someone's there. And his name is Steve and, and Steve gets me to shore and he brings me into his cottage and he introduces me to his wife, Marianne, and Marianne wraps me in a big, warm, fuzzy towel. And then she gives me one of her leisure suits and it's like pink velour. And then she hands me the largest pair of white Fruit of the Loom briefs. And I get all, you know, warm and cozy and I come out of the bathroom and there's Christina. And Christina's wearing a matching velour suit, except hers is light blue. And we just hug and we cry and we laugh and we whisper to each other, oh my God, the big white underwear. But we're so grateful for Steve and Marianne. And, and Steve has gotten in touch with Mike and he's on his way driving around to come and pick us up. And then Steve tells us that those rapids we went over were class five rapids. And even the best kayakers in the world wouldn't even attempt those. We do get back safely and now we're about to open our show and Christina's cut up and bruised and I have a couple broken toes, but we do our show. And we even incorporated that look into our show, that look that I will never forget. 
except I'm not saying I'm sorry anymore. I'm saying how grateful I am that we still get to do what we love and we still have all the laughs. And we even sang a song in our show. And underneath our costumes, we wore those extra large white Fruit of the Loom underwear. Thank you. Give it up in the chat for Crystal Bartels here. Wow. Wow. I mean, uh, first and foremost, I was super glad you guys made it, but like, you know, comedy really is a full contact sport. Uh, and I, I just can't stop uh, imagining marshmallow wigs. <laughs> so great. And also so kind of that, that lady to just, you know, have spare underwear kicking around for you. Uh, oh, that's our show, everyone. Thank you uh, so much for coming out. A uh, huge thank you to Connor Lowe, who's been running all the tech. You saw him at the hot beginning, our, our friend who got engaged. A uh, huge thank you to Coco Galore, Avery Jean, and everybody at Bad Dog Comedy. Uh, and thank you so much to the Toronto storytelling community. It's just one of the most incredible, supportive communities. When I said I was going to start a show, it was just everyone reached out, and they really are just so amazing. So if you are out there and you're feeling lonely, please come hang out with us. If you want to know about shows that you could do, you want to tell a story on your very own, or you've got a piece of music that you want to share on here, or you want to know about other storytelling shows, find me on social media, send me a message, and I'll send you all of the info I've got. It really is a great thing to be a part of. And a huge thank you to our amazing storytellers. Emily Poulin, please check them out at Replay Storytelling. Shenna Javid, the article Shenna wrote is actually in the medium correction on my part. And Crystal Bartelsi, uh, their next storytelling show is happening June 6 at 7.30. And obviously the um, very talented Nick McKinley. Thank you so much for joining us. But most importantly, Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, and now uh, get out there and uh, love each other safely. And try not to barf on one another. Thanks. Good night. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.